Welcome to the Inside Muskegon podcast with your host, Jason Pisecki. And now, here's Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number 52. I'm Jason Pisecki. The Inside Muskegon podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Dana Bryant, commentary on the interview, and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. Our interview this week is with Dana Bryant with Muskegon Heights Public Schools. I'm here with Dana Bryant with Muskegon Heights Public Schools. Thank you for taking the time out with Inside Muskegon today. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start out talking a little bit about your background? Okay. Okay. I'll give you a graduated from Bradley University in Peoria. I uh, was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, moved to Chicago. Then moved to Markham, Illinois. And then from there I attended uh, Bremen High School. Played football there. Uh, went to North Central College on a football scholarship. Then I transferred from North Central to Bradley University. And that's basically where I got my foundation. My uh, background is in accounting. I'm a CPA. And uh, from there, I went to public work for a public accounting firm for two years. Then from there, I went to uh, Chicago Public Schools, where I worked for nine years in the uh, budgeting and financial planning department. And then that uh, subsequent to that, I went to I came to Muskegon Heights as their business manager and uh, assistant superintendent. Now I'm superintendent. Great. Uh, talk a little bit about your position at Muskegon Heights. Uh, as superintendent or? Yeah, as superintendent. Oh, yeah, superintendent. Well, it's been very, very challenging. This is my sophomore year. Um, going into my freshman year, we had some issues that we really needed to address. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, demonstrate was our ability to provide quality programming. And that's one of the reasons why we didn't uh, do anything related to the budget in terms of staff reductions or realignment. At the end of the year, it was apparent that we needed to do something financially, so we restructured one of our elementary buildings, moved our alternative ed program to an elementary building, and dispersed the elementary population throughout the school district. Uh, starting the year, we, were, we had high hopes for increased enrollment. We started a math and science academy uh, for 4th, 5th, and 6th graders, uh, that went, went over very, very well. We're really pleased with that program. However, the enrollment kind of stabilized. Uh, we were expecting the spike up, and it did not happen. So we had to make some um, what I call some long-term strategic financial plan planning moves, and that re- required us to reduce the uh, professional staff. What gives you the most pride in your schools? The community having an opportunity to serve the community and uh, the character of our professional staff, teachers, principals, uh, they're a group of dedicated and committed individuals. And there's a a group of students who really want to learn, who really want to become a productive part of our society. And that just uh, makes me very, very happy and proud. Uh, Most definitely. Let's talk a little bit about the state of public education. It seems that sometimes in the media that public education is uh, under fire and receiving some some criticism. How would you respond to some of the criticisms of the education system as it exists right now? And, and your opinion, I guess, more in general of 
uh, just the state of education and what public education offers to students. Well, one of the, one of the things as I see it is uh, our society, for whatever reason, um, tends to, tend to tends to look at public education as the fix all. Right now, we have a number of social workers that we have to hire. We have uh, psychologists that we're that's that's on our payroll, uh, psychiatrists that are also on our payroll. Um, interventionists that's that are also on our payroll so schools are required now to basically especially public education in urban school settings we're required to uh be everything to everybody and the moment something doesn't fit right or move moves as smooth as some people would think uh, they want to uh, point their finger at public education yeah, that, that criticism does seem like it's it's there quite often. And that kind of leads into one of my next question is the role of the uh, parents and the family that they play in education. Mm-hmm. Well, in in this area and in most urban settings, um, a lot of a lot of our problems are economic based. Uh, some parents, they've they've lost their jobs. Some parents are not skilled and they're frustrated with themselves. And in, in turn, that that causes the student to be frustrated, which doesn't go over well for us when we're when we're trying to establish a, um, a classroom environment where everyone we assume everyone comes to school ready to learn, and that's not necessarily the case uh, because of some home issues, some social issues, or maybe some economic issues. I mean, some kids don't have proper clothing to just to come to school in. Uh, some young lady's hair is not done properly, and and that goes back to the self-esteem. And then you have some other issues that you have to deal with. And then we're trying to uh, teach someone calculus or advanced mathematics, and, and they didn't get a good night's sleep, or they didn't get uh, someone had a party downstairs, and they're trying to study. Uh, it's just a number of issues that uh, that we're dealing with from from a parental and home environment issue situation. How do you work with parents and students? And maybe sometimes it's not always possible to overcome those those issues. But uh, you know, trying to work with with mm-hmm. young people and their their parents, or maybe one parent together, to overcome some of that and give them a good learning environment. Well, one of the things we we've we've established uh, parent um, advisory groups, and parents come in and we talk to parents and we we work with parents. We also uh, have, uh, for example, with technology at Martin Luther King Elementary, we have a technology program just geared toward parents where they come in and they, they receive free training, and we have about 50 parents involved in that program. So basically we're trying to provide an opportunity for, for our parents to be edu- become educated as well as our students, and if we have an educated parent, we're definitely going to have an educated student. Well, we touched a little bit on there with the the family issue as a, mm-hmm. a challenge to education mm-hmm. uh, in not just your district but all districts throughout mm-hmm. the throughout the country. What are some other challenges that youths face in the Muskegon community? Um, another challenge that we face is perception. Uh, there's a perception for whatever reason that um, the uh, community of Muskegon Heights is maybe not as uh, viewed as positive as I think it should be. Uh, there's a number of opportunities that uh, we have that we can provide other people outside our community as well as we could learn from other communities. So one of the, one of the things that I'd like to see is more of a uh, networking with uh, the various communities uh, of Muskegon Heights, uh, Whitehall, Muskegon, Norton Shores, just to come together and let's make this development a countywide development versus a, a single entity or Muskegon Heights or Muskegon development. Let's 
come together and let's make this uh, a wonderful place for everyone to live in. What is your take on the No Child Left Behind initiative? It's something that uh, public schools are really kind of forced to to participate in. Um, is it is it fair to assume that that's an achievable goal, that by a certain year that every child will be able to pass a standardized test? No, I don't think it's it's, it's fair to assume that uh, we can put time time frames on uh, – community development and where a child or where a community, a particular community will be at, in, at at a particular point in time. I do think, however, there are some, some good things about the No Child Left Behind uh, initiatives. Uh, one, dealing with qualifications. Uh, uh, others, dealing with um, uh, number of hours that uh, s- students need to be in school. Uh, however, I think it's unfortunate that districts who are or somewhat disadvantaged disadvantage of being compared with other districts that are a lot more affluent. Um, a good example, I was in a meeting today and uh, uh, it was mentioned that, and I've already knew that information, but it was mentioned to, to the greater part of the uh, the overall um, individuals in the meeting that for Bloomfield Hills, for example, they receive $5,000 per student more than we will, we do. Uh, well, what does that mean? Well, that Bloomfield Hills is one of the most affluent areas in the, uh, in our state. And if they're receiving $5,000 more, we have 21, approximately 2,100 students. You just do the math, and if we had those resources, we could eliminate a number of the um, issues that we have. And that kind of ties back into the No Child Left Behind. We talk about accountability, why students aren't achieving. Well, if we had some more resources, maybe we could increase the uh, quality of education and the uh, reduce class sizes, et cetera, because right now our class sizes are anywhere from 25 to 30, um, which, of course, affects our ability to provide uh, some specific resources to kids who, who may be somewhat behind or need an addition, some additional help. Well, we talked about a wide range of issues here, and one thing that uh, we kind of went over briefly when you were telling us about your background was your background in sports. And uh, I grew up playing sports and sports in high school, and it was just a huge part of of my high school life, and I, I feel it had a positive impact on the person that I am today. Talk a little bit about the the role of sports in at Muskegon Heights and how that uh, maybe helps or how it's important with students. Well, the role of, as you know, and in, in most uh, with young men and now nowadays, when I was coming up, uh, the uh, the uh, female population wasn't wasn't as represented as it is today uh, but I think sports is, is a vital part of of, a, of an individual's development I know it helped me develop as a young man and I think it's doing the same thing in Muskegon Heights as you know we are uh, one of the premier class B basketball teams in this in the state and um, just observing some of the young men that are, are participating in our program they have to maintain a certain grade point average their behavior is it has, must be a certain way. Uh, most of them are leaders in their own right. And I think the sports, the athletics program itself helps build character in young young people. Oh, I, I would certainly, certainly agree. All right, let's move on to our final question here. Okay. Uh, you have one minute alone with a student considering going to Muskegon Heights. Make your pitch to get them to go to the school. Okay. Well, first I would... Uh, I would look at the uh, the things that they they probably may be interested in. Our band, we have a nationally re- acclaimed band. 
Uh, they've won a number of um, uh, awards throughout the years. Mr. Robert Moore has been our band instructor for over 30 years. His son is, is picking up right where he left off with our uh, middle school. We have over 120 school uh, students in our middle school band. Uh, as I just stated before, our basketball program is, is second to none in Class B in this state. And one of the things also that we have that's really I'm excited about is the staffing at the uh, our, new, our high school. We have a number of individuals who are top-notch in, uh, in their field of studies from math to science to language arts. And I think you can have a quality education uh, if you attend Muskegon Heights Public Schools. We have a number of individuals who are attending your University of Michigan, your Michigan State University, Ferris, uh, Central, Western. We also have alumni who uh, are who's who. We have a judge. Judge Pittman is um, an alumni of Muskegon Heights. Uh, the board president is uh, manager at Sun Chemical. Uh, who graduated from Muskegon Heights. Uh, Eddie Gardner, who graduated from Muskegon Heights, is the uh, Grand Haven Chamber of Commerce Director or Assistant Director. Uh, we have uh, Cynthia Hines, who works for Hackley Hospital. Um, she's a manager in their um, Human Resources Department. So there's a number of opportunities. We have a number of resources. We're right now developing our alumni group to identify successful alumni who can come and provide mentorship to current individuals we also have a scholarship fund we have one with the foundation and we have one at the muskegon heights um offices as well well thank you very much dana really enjoyed it well thank you and uh i look forward to talking to you again sometime At Muskegon Heights Public Schools, their goal is to ensure that every student learns, graduates, and goes on to higher education and or a successful career. Dana highlighted some of the reasons for students to consider Muskegon Heights. Noteworthy among those reasons were their new Science and Math Academy, which opened this fall, their music programs, particularly their choir and band, which regularly win local and state honors, and my personal favorite from any parade that I have ever attended, the Heights Marching Band, which is always the most entertaining band in a parade. Their winning athletic programs, which offer students a chance to achieve on the courts and fields as well as a classroom, and some of their new partnerships with area colleges, businesses, and organizations. And I think that is essential that businesses and schools work together to craft the educational careers for students that prepare them for the workplace. Dana also touched on some of the challenges faced by students at Muskegon Heights that are a bit different than your average suburban school. Students' family situations are sometimes a hindrance to learning. That is why the commitment of the faculty and staff at Muskegon Heights is so important to students. Muskegon Heights Public Schools are very fortunate to have Dana Bryant as a leader. His vision and leadership is essential for the district's success today and in the future. For more information on Muskegon Heights Public Schools, visit their website at muskegon-heights.k12.mi.us. I'm going to move on now to some listener feedback, and I want to thank everyone that I talked to for their congratulations on podcast number 50. Uh, I got some really great feedback and comments from people on the website and also around town, so I certainly appreciate that. Keep the comments coming, and we'll go over them in a future episode. 
For the latest feedback on Inside Muskegon, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. You can post your own comments to the site, view the comments of others, and even comment on their comments. Feedback can also be left via voicemail at 231-354-2332. When dialing, be sure to include the 1 and 231 and leave your first name and city in the message. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number 52 of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. Inside Muskegon is produced by Jeremy Sear, currently on location in Tokyo, Japan. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Paiseki. Feedback is welcome at jason at insidemuskegon.com. This has been the Inside Muskegon podcast. Comments are welcome through our website or by emailing jason at insidemuskegon.com.